Good day, everyone, and welcome to the monthly memo from Charles Aris Executive Search, where we share the latest trends in talent and recruiting. I'm your host, Chad Oakley, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as the CEO of Charles Aris. And today is Thursday, September 21st, and I hope that this month has been a good one for you thus far. As always, we'll start with a reaction to the monthly jobs report released by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics on the first of this month. And then secondly, we'll talk about a new and somewhat disturbing trend we're hearing about in the marketplace with regards to what I'm calling acceptance loyalty. I'll tell you what that trend is and a few best practices you can implement to avoid it at your company. But let's start with the labor report. Would you believe that the number of new non-farm payroll jobs was 187,000 for the second month in a row? Yes, new jobs for August was 187,000, and new jobs for July had also been recorded at 187,000. What are the odds of that? All right. In, in actuality, right, in full candor, if you go and fact check me, you're going to see that July has been revised down from 187 to 157,000, so they dropped it by 30,000. The Labor Bureau often revises their initial numbers over the coming month, so changes are not uncommon. However, their initial announcement for July was 187, as it was for August, a coincidence that can't happen all that often. So 187,000 new jobs, hey, we're in positive territory. Once again, the streak continues, which is so impressive for the U.S. economy. The unemployment rate ticked up or maybe I should say jumped up from 3.5% to 3.8%, which relatively speaking is a significant increase month over month. If you ignore 2020, the pandemic year, the last time that employment rate jumped that much was back in 2011. So it really is a big change. And for those of you who are astute listeners, I suspect I know what you are thinking, which is, wait, hold on a second. How is it possible that the economy can add jobs and the unemployment rate can increase at the same time. That doesn't make logical sense. Shouldn't they move in opposite directions from each other? And I have to agree with you. It doesn't make logical sense, but it is possible. Let's explain why. The reason why it's possible is because each metric is calculated from a different data set. The non-farm payroll number, that 187,000 new jobs for the month number, that comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics monthly survey of over 100,000 companies and government agencies. I'm going to call that the top-down survey. They basically go out and they ask each of the 100,000 companies and government agencies, did you add jobs this month? If so, by how many? Or did you reduce jobs this month? If so, by how many? Total up the answers, and voila, you have your net change to non-farm payrolls, again this month, going up by 187,000. Whereas the unemployment rate, that comes from a monthly survey of about 60,000 households. Let's call that the bottom-up survey. And the United States Census Bureau actually runs this survey for the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They effectively go out to all 60,000 households and ask two questions. The first is, are you employed? And if the answer is no, they then ask, did you attempt to gain employment in the last four weeks? And if the answer to that second question is yes, in other words, I do not currently have a job, and yes, I attempted to find one, then that person is counted as unemployed. So two different data sets can sometimes tell two different stories, which is why it's important to look at both the top down and the bottom up. Now, it should be said that normally these two data points are inversely correlated to one another. In other words, 
when non-farm payrolls increase, the unemployment rate usually decreases, even though they come from different data sets. In this case, the primary driver of the unemployment rate going up, even though payrolls went up, is because of an increase in the size of the available labor force, which, when you think about it, does indeed make sense, right? If unemployment is going up while payrolls are going up, the only way that's possible is if you have more new people looking for a job than are getting those jobs. And that's exactly what happened in August. The Bureau said that the labor force grew by 736,000, but as was said, only 187,000 got new jobs. The difference is what's driving the unemployment rate up even as jobs increase. And the really good news is that all those new people entering the job market should help to offset the higher demand for employees. If you think about it right now, there are still more open job vacancies than there are employees to fill them. So this is actually good news for the economy. If this happens, it should help to slow the increase in wages, which will help to tame inflation, which will help the Fed to slow the increase of interest rates, which should help the economy to realize that soft landing that everyone is hoping for. Fingers crossed we can keep it going. Okay, enough of the numbers. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about a somewhat disturbing trend we're hearing about in the marketplace, and that is what I'm calling a lack of acceptance loyalty. Let me tell you exactly what I mean by that. Effectively, we're hearing from companies that there is a growing number of candidates that will accept an offer, but continue to interview with other companies and then renege on their original acceptance before their scheduled start date to join another company. And in some cases, they're calling the companies to inform them of this the day before they are scheduled to start. They are simply not being loyal to their original acceptance. All right, so my guess is that many of you have seen this type of thing happen at one point in your career. But I'm also willing to bet that it came from a more junior employee that you had made an offer to. Here's the interesting part. We're hearing about this at senior levels of the org chart. In fact, we had two companies tell us last month that they dealt with this at the chief financial officer level. In other words, two different companies had examples of how they had extended an offer to a CFO candidate, had the CFO candidate accept, then had that CFO renege on that acceptance for another job days before their scheduled start date. This creates a huge burden on that company, and of course, it's downright unprofessional by the individual. So my first piece of advice, as you might imagine, is to the professional, and that is simply Let's not do this, right? The reputational risk of accepting an offer and then reneging on it is very high and absolutely could be a career-limiting move. Not to mention, by reneging on the offer, you compromise the stability of that company, and that's not fair to all the employees that work there. If you accept an offer, stick with your acceptance. And if you're unsure if you should accept an offer, simply don't accept it. That way, you preserve your reputation and you don't harm other people in the process. Now, what if you're the hiring authority that has extended the offer? How do you ensure that your new employee is going to show up on their scheduled start date? Well, here at Charles Zeris, we have a process that we implement between a candidate's acceptance date and their start date. And I'm happy to share with you a few key steps that are a part of it. So the first is that you need to continue to have live conversations with the accepted candidate up until their start date. And you need to have live conversations because you need to hear the tone of their voice. Email won't do it for you you'll learn a lot more about how someone is truly feeling about their acceptance and whether they're having any second thoughts by the tone of their voice. In other words, it's not just what they say, but how they say it that matters. The second step is to have multiple people from the team call. Anyone that the candidate interviewed with, and especially anyone that the candidate really hit it off with when they interviewed in your process. 
make sure that those individuals reach out as well to express how excited they are to have that person join the team. The more people the candidate hears from, the more confident they're going to be in their decision to join. The third step is to start telling the candidate about all the onboarding processes steps that are underway, that their office is being set up, that their computer and cell phone have been ordered, that their onboarding and training have been scheduled and confirmed, that you announce their hiring to the company with great fanfare, that you've scheduled them to meet with key stakeholders throughout the company upon their joining, et cetera, right? Learning all of these events are, that, are, are, that are well underway and in process will give the candidate confidence that joining your company was the right decision. And frankly, will put a little polite pressure on them to stick with the decision, even when another company calls to recruit them in the interim. Lastly, and I would probably say for the more adventurous of you, I will encourage you to send the candidate some semi-confidential information before their start date. Nothing truly confidential, mind you, just something that will clearly make them feel like they're already on the team and that by reneging on the offer now would feel like a true breach of trust. There you have it. A combination of these four steps should help to reduce the risk of losing your employee before their start date. And I hope that this was helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for subscribing from all of us at Charles Harris Executive Search. This is CEO Chad Oakley looking forward to talking again next month. Happy recruiting, everyone.